Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host. We have a great show for you this evening. It's about a really interesting sighting in uh, uh, Danby, uh, UK that happened back, I think it was January 3rd, 2012. I do believe there's a lot, lots of witnesses. And uh, so we have Gary Jones on for that. And he's coming right up as our guest tonight. Uh, this week in our blog from Charles Lear is two UFO, two UFO occupant cases from France. One happened in 1973, one 1974, uh, where they had, they called it the year of uh, humanoids in France. Uh, Charles Lear does the blogs and audio blogs. He's also the author of the Flying Saucer Investigators. Uh, you can see that on Amazon. And our guest uh, this evening also has a book. We're going to be talking about that. He wrote a book and he also has a documentary on the sighting. And I'm going to play a clip from that just before I bring him in. And here it is. just like that here we are gary hi welcome hi Martin. hi how you doing i'm doing great thanks for uh, being on the show i realize that it's uh after midnight and we're gonna be hanging out <laughs> remember that song does anyone know that song uh sure. dating myself no after midnight we're gonna hang out no that song oh anyway uh so welcome and I'm glad you're stayed up for us. And I would like to find out who Gary Jones is first. If you would uh, tell us how you got interested in the topic of UFOs. Uh, well, I've always had an interest in it. Um, I kind of felt in a way this subject kind of um, chose me in a way. I, and I'll just explain why. I had a first sight when I was seven years old. It was a clear UFO, something oval shaped. My friends and I saw it. For like three minutes it was there and then it wasn't it just disappeared i don't know I, I, like it disappeared into thin air i could describe it a little bit it had these like strange yellow red orange lights and it just moved like the like a like a lava lamp in ways but it, it glowed very unusually and um from then i knew these things were real and i just from there developed more of an interest as time went on i, I watched documentaries and shows newspapers and then into books and then into documentaries and then now of course I, i've been involved in a lot of research and i just decided at some point i'm, I'm going to investigate it and here we are 
Now, your friends, uh, are they aware that you've gone this far with the topic? Some of them are. Friends? Yeah. Some of them uh -huh. are, yeah. And do you ever talk to them about that? Was it a nighttime or a daytime sighting? Uh, what, the one from when I was seven years old? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I don't really get much of a chance to bring it up, actually. Not many people are interested in uh, my own sightings. They're more interested in the work that I do. But, <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, I always bring it up when I'm asked. You know, I said, look, it was it was most unusual. It, it glowed. It hovered silently. It kind of moved like it was, like, floating on water, you know, like calm sort of water like that. Hmm. And I just remember the lights. I over the lights where they moved it was very hypnotic in ways it had like a bluish hue like a plasmary i don't know very brightish blue kind of look to it uh, but in the center it, it was like i had a story printed in the daily star newspaper but they didn't really get the details right but how it moved is like it, it would go from left to right and i often remember it like the night rider car you know remember the old flashing red light oh on the yeah. Front yeah you know you see the bright bit and then the little fady bits after it but this would go from red to orange to yellowish kind of color like this. And, um, yeah, I, I must have stayed. Me and my friends must have looked at it. I think one of my friends even jokingly said it was a UFO. But we're seven years old. What the hell do I know what UFO means? I just thought it meant you can't identify something, so it must be a normal thing. Never realized I was looking at something quite impressive like that. But I think I turned my head away a couple of seconds. I looked back, and it was gone. I mean, I don't know where it went. Yeah. If it was a helicopter or a plane, it would have needed at least about 45 seconds to get from the nearest, you know, to get over the nearest horizon away from me. But it was gone in like a matter of seconds. So yeah. it was very strange. No sound either. Yeah. That's uh, when I had my sighting, which doesn't sound anywhere near as spectacular as that. But when I had my sighting, uh, that was the thing that freaked me out the most. The no sound thing. I was thinking, how does this thing move and stop and move? And it not make any noise oh, at all. You know? The second one I had, if you just want to hear it quickly. Oh, um, yeah. It's like, it's like one of these large... Actually, I would say after that sign, I kind of really started to get into the research more of it. Um, you may even say it was like a trigger event. I don't know. But it, it started from there, more or less. Um, the, re the real in-depth research, anyway. But I was, I was coming home from work one day. It was just after the New Year's Eve, you know, the New Year's Eve Christmas rush and everything. So the... the January sales are on. It's the last bus home. I'm walking down some road to the back, uh, the back hill of uh, where I live. And there was a young lady behind me. She was just going to her place. I was just going to my place. And as we sort of like got off the bus, it'd be more than 15, 20 seconds. I got off it and I look up. Uh, it was very cloudy, you know, like very low cloud. Like mm -hmm. a couple of thousand, it's like a few thousand. It's just barely coming over the mountains, you know. So, and here in Wales, we have a lot of hill, you know, a lot of hills and mountains, like just barely coming over that. But this thing came below the clouds, and it was huge. I mean, it filled my my you know my vision from you know the, what do you call it the peripheral vision from your, your from end to end, and it just mm. had that sort of like if I describe the shape like that, and there these like really roundish lights in them, and uh, silent, very quick, you know, wow. moved like it moved, kind of moved very fast like a fast jet, but you know I, we both looked at it, and I mean, it was like, and then it disappeared again, and we're just like. What was that? <laughs> it didn't even make any noise. It didn't rumble or, you know, make the sky, you know, sort of dispart. It, it even went up above the clouds. It didn't even seem to make the clouds move that much either. It was very, very strange. Yeah. That's one thing they seem to all have in common. It's strange. I'm going to show a quick video <clears throat> of what I thought I was seeing UFO 
but I it's explainable, but I'm going to show it right here now. It's, it's not that. It's just a few. Uh, it's under a minute. I think I can talk now. So I was in Miami, and I was on a, a cruise ship, and something caught my eye, and I'm looking over, and I was lucky enough to get my camera, you know, my phone out, my camera, and play this, and I'm like looking at it. It disappears, and it comes back. I'm saying, you got to be kidding me. I'm actually having UFO sighting. And then uh, it ended up being a banner being pulled by a plane, a plane, an advertising banner. It's just that it was turning, and it was far away. And uh, as it got closer, I mean, you know, I mean, you yeah. first see that clip, and you think, wow, that is really that's a UFO right there, and it disappears. And yeah, it, but anyway. It, it's an explainable. It's an IFO. Yeah. Hmm. But it. But anyway, my eyes, as I always say in the end of my shows, keep your eyes to the sky. My eyes are always to the sky. I'm always looking. Yeah, you never yeah. know. You never know what you're going to see. So this case in particular, how did you first hear about it? And how did you become the person to do all the work on it? Well, I didn't do all the work on it, but I sort of took it to the way it needed to go. Um, ah. mm -hmm. Well, I'll, I'll just explain. Um, I mean, I came across this case. I understand. I came across it actually in late December 2017 because by that point I was working on another case, the Pentuk incident, which we can talk about some other time if you want. Um, the I was looking for a lot of uh, video evidence, maybe someone had caught to that case, you know. But then I saw something up in North Wales, and there it was, right there, you know, some UFO caught on video in North Wales, and okay, this is this is that's really interesting. And then a couple of months later, I was up in North Wales visiting the family, and they showed me the, the full video, you know, the real full video. And I could tell straight away, I said, well, you shot that at night, and, you know, in the middle of a storm as well. And I said, has anybody ever done any investigative work on this? And there was a preliminary investigation, I call it, done by a man named Peter Glynn. He was like a local researcher at the time. Mm -hmm. And he interviewed the family, you know, he went up to the tracks and up to the farmland to see if there was any human you know, any sort of human activity up there that might explain it. And he had a look around and he did some really, you know, good, a little, a little bit of analysis here and there. Excuse me. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, you've got some real good stuff there, but I could really think how to take this further. You know, I could do a sit down interview with all the family, you know, really walk the grounds and understand this. Look at all the radar returns of planes and, you know, get the video analyzed and, you know, really bring the, the full details of this case out, you know, because I felt that that was a lot of stuff that wasn't, you know, I just knew this was a really solid case. It just needed the details to be really, but that's how I that's how I came to do it. And uh, of course, you know, um, it all came together in the end with the book there, uh, which is yep. on sale on Amazon now. Um, yep. And the reason, you know, the reason I call it a truthful argument for the existence of UFOs, I mean, for me, it's not that I don't need convincing. It's just if someone's looking for a case to convince them, you know, it's like, oh yeah, okay, UFOs may be real, but show me one case that actually may offer some definitive evidence, I would say that's the case right there. Because you've got video evidence, four great witnesses, you know, you've got a situation that can't be explained away as balloons or helicopters or planes or any of the other usual things, which I go into detail in the book. You know, so you have to conclude and that the expert independent analysis done by Jason Gleaves, now he's a former RAF man. Yes, I know Jason, yep. Yeah, yeah, he's very good, he is, he's very good, does UF only. 
um, he he concluded that it was unexplained, and you know, well, once you've eliminated uh, all the problem, whatever remains must be the answer, right? Now, isn't that the same? Well, you know, when you look at the the part where uh, early on in that that clip that I showed earlier, you look in that part, and it's sort of you're doing a nice uh, overlay of you know the night shot and then the yeah. day shot and back and forth, and it looks like it's just like on a tree level, like in a tree level. And my, my question, has anyone gone to that site where this was and, and looked for any type of anything? You know, I mean, you can see what it looks like it could be behind the trees or in the trees I've or just about myself. tree line. Sorry. Did that yourself? Okay. I've been there myself. I went up there in, uh, was it late 2018? So it's a couple of years after. But like I said, Peter Glynn, the original local researcher, he'd been up there himself. But this was just a few days or a week or so after the event to see if there was mm -hmm. any signs of UFO or any sort of you know, human activity. Because, you know, there's a farm there and there's a golf course there and everything. Maybe it could have been that. Now, I know what you're getting at. Um, I actually went up there myself, and when you see where the lights are along the sort of like just a lot, sort of like the layout of the land there, what's what you call it, um, the horizon line there, however you call it, you know, where you can see the tops of the hill. Yeah. You know, the, the lights run sort of parallel along that line, you know, just sort of like stays along it, but and it goes into the trees, and then it seems to like, you know, come around again. Now, if that's as some, you know, who's the one who does Metabunk? Oh, yes, uh, Mick West. Yeah, you know, I sometimes find him. I, find, I sometimes find him interesting, you know, because he does offer some unique insights into things. Oh so yeah, I, I sometimes like, he's he's actually solved a couple of things. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. I like the critic. I like the critics because they keep me on my toes. Because you need yeah. someone to be critical of you. Otherwise, you've just got people accepting you from for, for, for what it is. But I mean, he's gone out there on ridiculous claims on a oh, few yeah. others. He, he, you know, he, he like the this, gimbal and all that. You know, yeah. He called this one aliens on golf carts. That's one of his videos. <laughs> that I, sounds I, I, like I'll, something something he would do. <laughs> I will I will give you uh, I will give you um, ten out of ten for that one because I didn't think of that one. Uh, I didn't think of that one. But um, no, I mean the golf course is over to the left. There's a quarry over to the right. There's a farm in the middle. I thought maybe it's the farmer, but he doesn't work at night in that area anyway. And if there's somebody driving around in a vehicle on that part of the hill there. Um, it would have to be basically going into the forest and somehow driving through thick, dense, wooded areas and then coming back out. They would have to be hitting all the trees and the, and the fences and the poles and everything. There's just Peter Glenn found no evidence of anyone up there with a vehicle that night or evidence of anyone else. And when I had a look around myself and I started looking at satellite images and possible explanations, nothing, nothing cl came close. Is it a crested? Is it a crested hill, or does it carry on a while at that height? Uh, I'm not sure what you mean by crested hill. Well, it it shows like a hill, and I'm just wondering: is it a? Is it like a? a do you want to call it a mountain or? Oh, you mean does you know, it continue going on up behind it? Yeah, does it keep continue level or does it? It is stays it level. It stays level, but then it sort of like goes down behind it. So if anyone was yeah. driving a vehicle there, it would be hidden by the. Um, so like the little mound a bit there before. Yeah, that's why. Like this. Oh yeah, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, 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 yeah. So no, that's good. You have to check out all these things, you know, because yeah, I, you have to. If you can replicate it somehow by doing something, then you know, 
that would be an answer. But uh, but this also, the lights behaved very unusually, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the four witnesses, uh, the first one to see it was uh, Nathan Thomas. He was 12 at the time. It's like 3 a.m. in the morning, and he's just watching television, and he heard a bang outside. The wind had blown his bin over. And he looks over, and he thinks, you know, there's something out there that's making a night. But he turns back to his television to think, oh, maybe it's just a reflection. But then he opens the window, and there it is in the distance. And his brother and his mother, his brother Alex, his mother Linda Pritchard, and uh, the granddaughter of uh, their mother, um, Kira George, they all saw it. And they all described the lights to me like rotating and flashing like, you know, like instant flashes, but then they sort of dim down, instant flash, and they dim down. Kira would describe it in ways like if you're watching a light shimmer underwater, you know, it's like you get that sort of shimmering kind of effect. Mm -hmm. You've seen that on a calm. The water's calm, but it's shimmering, and it's like the lights are like that. And here's the thing that you probably, I do describe it in the book and in the, in the video documentary, that the, the actual lights start doing this. They start tilting at around 40 degrees, so they're not level anymore. They've tilted up to like 40 degrees like this. And then in, in sequence, down. I mean, like in a, in like in a row, you're saying? Oh yeah, they continue to flash in this very unusual pattern, and yeah. uh, but they as they as they're flashing, they don't have some they don't seem to set pattern, but they do seem to look the way they flash. You know, you got some smaller ones and larger ones, and it's it, I, I I'm like, what is that? You know what I mean? But it's it's sometimes it's doing it. It's doing this. You know, the the the, the, the continuing flashes move. If you imagine this is the the object, I believe it is to be an like an oval shaped object. They're flashing along that line. But then, you know, they tilt up and then they flash along like that. And that's very clearly stated in the eyewitness testimonies I got from all four family members. I mean, you know, they're very consistent in everything they say. That's why they make such great witnesses. Now, what about, um, I did notice there was a red a red light. Like, I don't know, I can't remember if it was flashing or if it was just a red light. I did see a red light. Didn't I? There is a red light somewhere. I mean, where the lights are flashing there, there is. Yeah, there, I know the image you're talking about. That's actually a red light that's on the top of something. As the oh, lights are flashing, there's something red on the top. And there's, um, you may have seen an image that clearly shows that. Yeah, you know, you've got the big blue lights or whitish blue lights, and you've got that red one on the top there. Hmm. Um, that was mentioned by all four family members. And this this is where David Williams, he's the next door neighbor of these this family. And he's known them all his life. And I don't know how he done it, right? But he he was he got the video himself. He screen captured an image. He must have caught the most perfect image of them all, right, to be able to do this. And he just enhanced it and enhanced it. And somehow he he was able to generate that lovely clear. You can even see the top part of what looks to be like the oval part top of this object where the red light meets up. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, how did you manage that? Because I've tried with a number of screen captures where I think the lights are the best, most well lit up to actually, mm. you know, maybe get some sort of shape or definition to it. And I can't get anywhere near as good as what you've done, you know, but uh, no, I don't think it was. I think if whatever that comment said, an aircraft marker, I don't think I don't think it was an aircraft of any kind because, you know, like I've said, they they all four families, they clearly say this thing is rotating and at some point it's tilting and rotating. And the lights are still continuing to flash. And, you know, I mean, they, they saw this thing for 15 minutes. And I have to point this out. It was a storm that night. You know, so it's like early hours of the morning. The winds are up to 50, 60 miles an hour. It's pouring down with rain. 
and you know it's like freezing it's like zero degrees outside you know just above zero so it's not the kind of ideal conditions for anyone to be doing any flying or walking or training or anything in really so let's go into how um the you said it was a younger one i can't remember what age you said 12 or something yeah Nathan. Um, he first of all he was up at 3 a.m and he was watching tv and he saw something like uh through the window how how did that all how did it all start well like i said he was um they were just you just watching television late at night very quietly um, the wind blew his bin over. He looked outside to inspect what it was. He didn't know it was the bin at first, of course, but it was like a loud bang. He thought, what's that? And as he op as he looks out his window, the window's not open. He's looking through the window, of course. He sees mm -hmm. something flash. There's something, you know, like flashing in the, in the distance. He thought, oh, that's probably the TV or something. You know, it's just a reflection on my television. So he looks at the television. He looks at the window, and there's nothing there. But then as he, you know, it's not coming from the television. He opens the window. You know, he actually opens it now. And you can see it's coming from the distance then. It's actually physically out there. Hmm. You know, so. Did either, and then the family all, obviously woke up the whole family. Yeah, they started oh. to wait. Nathan went to go get his brother, Alex, who was 14 then. And I think he kind of felt he was being wound up a little bit by uh, Nathan. He said, oh, there's a U. I think, I don't know if he said if it was a UFO aside or there's some, some sort of alien, or UFO. maybe he did say uh, UFO and, and Alex thought he was just winding him up. But, you know, he's tired. He wants to go to sleep. He goes there and, well, you know, instantly he wakes up. You know, wow, what is that? And that's that's something that really struck me. You know, you're tired. You want to go to sleep. But then instantly you're focused on this thing. Two right. of them. And that's when he started filming, you know, because he'd had this camera given to him for his birthday, Nathan. And he just decided to start filming in him. And I was like, you know, I'm so glad you've done that. Too bad you didn't have more of a steady hand. <laughs> but it's hard. Uh, you know, when you get excited over something like this. It's hard for anyone to be able to, to you know, I, plus he was walking. I, and adults got involved, so, or one adult anyway. Was it more than one adult? It was their mother. She was sleeping downstairs, and one. I think it may have been Alex who went and woke her up, you know, because they wanted her to see this, because they mm -hmm. were quite excited now. Like, they were getting really, really uh, excited by it all. And... Uh, she was like, you know, she thought maybe, you know, the way they're reacting, you know, she was, is the house on fire or something, you know? Yeah. You know, she had to react like that, you know, the, the excitement that they had. But she went upstairs, she looked out the window, and, you know, you can you can hear their voices in the video. I had to subtitle it all just, you know, just to let people see what they were saying. Yeah. And um, you can clearly, clearly hear them say, you know, they don't know what it is, but it's amazing. You know, you can hear it in their tone of voice, the way they're talking, the words they're using. You know they know their they know their area, they know what they've lived there all their lives. You know up until that point, and they understand what's normal and what's not normal and so on. But um, this is this is something clearly uh, unseen before. But yeah, this is when they got and woke up uh, Kira. Then so we got four witnesses to the actual event. Did they anyone have an, an inclination to drive toward it? No, no, I don't think so. I think they maybe may have been a bit uh, too excited and focused on what they were seeing rather than to go out there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, is that something that normally people would do to go and drive towards someone like that? But no, no, no one felt an inkling to do that. No, they were they were in a good position to see it from where they were. Yeah.
And as far as you know, were there any other witnesses from, I mean, that is in the middle of the night. So for there to be other witnesses would be, you know, kind of a uh, pretty rare, but did you, mm. did anyone try to find any, put any type of notation sort of, out there? I did put out a feeler a couple of times to see if anybody else knew or if anyone else saw it, but they seem to be the only ones who saw it. You know, it was just by pure chance that Nathan's bin blew over to let, alert him to it. When you say a bin blew over, do you mean like a, a, a garbage can or something? Yeah, well, you know, oh, yeah, the, you know, those big yeah. uh, council bins, you know, they're quite sizable bins, you know, they're like um, the size of a large child, you know, you know, big, big wheelie bin kind of thing. I see. You know, yeah. they, 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 it was full of rubbish as well, you know, because of the Christmas <laughs> rush and all. So, you know, it takes, it must yeah. have taken a fair gust of wind to blow it over because those things don't knock over easy. Yeah. And what type of storm was there that night? Oh, you know, the kind of gale force, you know, the wind, you know, the typical storms we get over here, you know, I mean, gale mm. force winds, heavy downpour rain, you know, real, you know, it was, I think it was, one, I'm not, I wouldn't say it was a rec record breaking storm, but it was definitely one for the record books. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, quite, I've, talked to, I've talked to other people in the UK and they say, you know, there's not, there would be more sightings here probably, but the weather, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, soggy days and, uh, you know, uh, but so this is interesting that happened in the middle of, you know, in the middle of mm -hmm. rain and that's what makes it even more special. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting. So how did this thing end? How did they, did they see it take off or, or did black, uh, you know, blink out or, or what, well, what was the end of it? Well, Nathan and Alex and all, I was still watching it and, I think Alex was like, Alex's voice is probably the best one to describe it because the lights just went off. Hmm. One minute it's turning, blinking, doing that unusual glowing thing, and then it just stops. And then hmm. I can hear it in the video, you know, if you watch the, excuse me, you watch the documentary, um, you know, it's like, he just says, oh, don't stop. Oh, yes, I heard that. He wanted, part, it, yeah. he wanted yeah. it to keep going, and it was yeah. just like, why would you care if it stopped, you know, if it's just a regular thing? Yeah, and uh, did, did they, like, watch for a long time afterward to see if it might come back? I think they did watch for a little while, but I'm not sure how long. I think maybe they yeah. probably stayed there for 30, 40 more minutes and then maybe an hour. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it, it, never, it never came back. And then, of course... Um, I'll tell you this, you know, it's been, it was January 3rd, 2012, so we're into the 11th year of it now, and they're still dying to see it again. So that no one's ever seen anything like it again since? Not since, no. The only thing I was able to find on that is when I was doing some research on the um, history of the area. I mean, this place has had a lot of sightings, and there was, I think, I don't know if it was a week before or just a week after, somebody took a picture of some disc-shaped object that was not too far away from where this one happened, just Near the castle there, there Denby has a castle, an ancient hmm. castle. You know, it's wow. quite old. You know, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit run down, but it's still standing in some parts. And that area has seen a lot of uh, a lot of activity over the years. Hmm. And how far is it away is that from where you actually live? Oh, I'm down in the south part of Wales, so I don't know how long it is. Maybe just over a hundred odd miles, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So fair ways so, to go. <laughs> yeah, and and. And the area is known for other events besides uh, the one you just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, um, there was a case that happened there. I think it was in, I can't remember exactly the year right now, but it was the Bearwind Mountain incident. You ever heard of that one? 
the bear i'm sorry berwin mountain yeah sorry it's it, mm-hmm. i have i have trouble pronouncing this word myself uh berwin mountain i think is how you pronounce it or berwin is how i pronounce it anyway it was a ufo case that happened in 19 oh forgive me if i get this wrong but 1974 local the mountains are not too far away from where danby is anyway but um mm-hmm. local residents heard uh, an almighty explosion which shook the ground rattled their homes and windows and everything um there was a, a some sort of seismic single record i think it was like a 3.6 but uh during that time the military were on the scene pretty quickly for the residents to to notice them they thought a plane had crashed or something and mm. they wanted to come and help and see if they could actually you know maybe offer some assistance because some people were trained in uh, in in the medical field and there was a witness, uh, I think her name was Pat. She was with her two daughters. I believe she had children with her. She was able to see what the what this object was. And it was like some large, spherical, glowing red object of some kind. Uh, she couldn't, you know, she wasn't like right by, but she could see it on the other side of a, you know, a mountainside or something. And it appeared to be like the military were around it. They had, you know, lights flat shining on it, like they were studying it. Hmm. And, um, yeah, the object was there for a while. And then I believe, as some of us have uh, researched it, it took off and went somewhere else. But it was um, written off as a, a, a storm, of so, you know, some flashing, some flashing meteor and storm at the same time or something like that anyway. But that's a very well-known case in Wales. But there have been others, you know. There's been... Um, it was uh, one called Tlanachemev, which I have in the book. Um, I think that one happened in 1979. Some bullet-shaped craft came down, landed in a farm field behind a residency, and six or seven witnesses definitely saw some occupants get out of this thing. You know, typical object. It had no rotor blades or, or propellers or anything. It came down silently, seemed to have a, a different type of propulsion system on it you know the type of we would say is anti-gravity and i actually met one lady when i was on uh when i was um up in north wales she spoke to me and a few others and she said she saw two occupants who were like seven feet tall and they were walking mm-hmm. in the pair you know alongside i feel like they were collecting samples or just doing some sort some sort of observations and then they got back in this object and took off and then the military came there quickly and um uh again you know like the military just show up and start you know taking over the place um there's there's also another one uh i don't know if you've heard of a researcher named gary Rowe. no but before uh, we move on to to sorry. to gary uh just a couple of questions you said there was a bullet shape that was a bullet shaped craft is that what you said yeah it was a bullet shaped craft you know it's in a it's in something called bufora it's like the british ufo research oh yeah yeah, yeah. There, there's a case. It's actually it's all it's in my book. You know, I actually mentioned these cases in a book. You know that North yeah. Wales is definitely a hotspot for UFO activity. Trust me. And did the woman that you met? Did she describe what the occupant looked like? Yeah, uh, two of them actually. They were very humanoid. You know, they, they were definitely arms and legs, but they had like these sort of like you could describe them as radiation suits on, like some sort of silvery colored suit with a stripe maybe on them. Hmm. And uh, let me see if I can get an image. Do you want to see if I, I'll, I'll, if I don't find it, it's fine. But there is an image in the book here. But um, no, North Wales definitely has a lot of sightings. But 
yeah, she described them as two seven-foot-tall beings, with, you know, arms and legs like everyone else. But um, there it is on page 45. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's that, what that is the to. suit? That it's a suit she... Uh, it's a suit, yeah. yeah. It's a suit. Yeah. Ah, wow. And this is, uh, what year was this one? 1979, I believe. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what, if, uh, you know, I mean, the argument goes for, you know, a lot of people say that it's so, you know, it was military secret craft. I don't, there's another case where, you know, 1979, if we had a bullet shaped thing that could land and why we would have seven foot people uh, in it uh, taking samples, you know, oh, I mean, that's, it's, it would be one there's a lot of other cases I could mention, you know. I mean, yeah, you just a, mentioned uh, Gary something, another yeah, Gary. Gary Rose, yeah. a, a researcher. He's he's been doing this a long time, and if you've ever speak to him, he's a you know, wealth of knowledge. He mm -hmm. did something called um, the European Roswell. I think that was a case up in Llanilla, uh, which is just sort of like uh, sort of Midwest Wales area. Um, he recovered some very strange piece of craft. I don't know if it was a military or advanced military or whatever, but he's had this thing tested, and he says it's very unusual. He's got this little honeycombed uh, piece as well. He says it's very light, but it's very strong, like steel. You can stand on it, and it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even so much as, you know. And he's got this, like, large green piece of it as well. And apparently, there was something that had exploded and left debris all over the place. Some farmer had called him to say, if you want to come out here and have a look, you know, but by the time he got there, the military or somebody had come in there and cleaned it up, and you know. But, but these course, pieces, uh, these pieces supposedly exist somewhere. Yeah, he's got a piece of it like, in a security lockbox. He keeps it under. And has he ever had it tested? According to him, he had it tested, and it's got some sort of strange paint or um, some sort of covering on it that would be very useful for today's modern aircraft, because obviously, when we fly crafted. Mark one, Mark two, Mark three, or whatever. They they seem this 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 material seems very resistant to that kind of. It's very aerodynamic kind of covering, coating sort of stuff. You know, it's very advanced. Huh. I don't understand it myself, but that's what he told me. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like someone would want to do as much testing on something like that as they could. Mm, yeah, you know? I agree. I I, yeah. I I've never really. Um, I mean, there is a, a documentary on it called the European Roswell. That's what it's mm -hmm. called. The the what's up? Is it the European? Yeah, the European Ros Roswell. Sorry, mm -hmm. it's a very mm -hmm. interesting case. I mean, I like I said, I've got. I mean, you know, down in the south part of Wales, I've got one here. Look, the Penturk incident. I've done that one with Cass Clark. I know she's yep. been on your show before, so we you probably already know the details. That one we've now confirmed. I just like to say this: we've now confirmed that um, the Welsh government were not informed of an exercise. And we've just learned that the police and the lo other local areas, we know anyway they weren't informed, but we've uncovered the truth about them never being informed about an exercise. But the best one is uh, we wrote to the MOD and we asked them, did you have any training or low-flying exercises for South Wales in February of 2016? And the answer was no, they did not. So what was all that military firepower and equipment doing around you that night if you weren't on a low-flying training exercise? You shot. Oh, yeah, we've had witnesses who actually saw what was shot down in Smilog Woods because something was shot down that night. And and how many have more witnesses? Wait, uh, this is a question. I just got to get it out of the way that popped up. And thank you for putting it in caps, those of you in chat. Uh, this goes back to your case, the the, Den, the Danby lights. Did you check? And we'll jump right back to to what we're talking about. But did you check with the local law enforcement about the uh, Denby? 
light yeah, situation. The, the police were actually contacted by the family themselves, and yeah. they asked them, you know, do you know what this is? They were shown the video. You know, they were informed about what had happened. Um, they radioed, I, I think, some office that they, they have contact with. You know, um, were any helicopters out that night? Did anybody fly something that night? And they confirmed no. Mm. There was nothing up that night. Yeah. Uh, they just put the um, the video down to nothing more than ramblers, which in our country is people walking the countryside at night. You know, yeah. we get people who like to walk the countryside because we got a lot of lovely mountains and walk, you know, famous trails here. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why we, they would say that, but I guess they were just looking for any excuse. I have tried to um, get that report from uh, the police. You know, I even filed it under a FOIA request, but there's a lot of data protection laws around it. So I'll probably get my hands on it sometime. But, you know, but they were contacted. They said it was Ramblers, you know, and that was about as far as they went. But at least um, they confirmed there was no aircraft there at the time. So, right. Getting back to... The pen, Pentesh, how, how do you pronounce that? Pen Turk. Just say Pen and Turk, you know, like Turkey. Pen, pen Turk. Turk. Getting back yeah. to that, um, since I spoke with Cass, have there been more witnesses that actually came forward since that yes. time? Yes. Uh, I don't know when exactly you spoke with Cass. I think it was, but we've had at least three, three new witnesses. We've got about maybe 10 or 12 now. But only so many are willing to go publicly or at least allow us to release some sort of uh, recording of themselves. We've got uh, Mark Morris, uh, Jacob Coleman. They both saw the green objects that the helicopters were chasing. Um, some very interesting things from Jacob. He says he saw two Apaches. You know, he describes, I guess, you know, this is the green object. Let's see if this is the green object here. There are two Apaches looking right at it, locked onto it with their weapons. You can clearly see they're armed. And it's like, you know, he can see them just over the area where the green went. We know something had been shot down. Um, Jacob Coleman, no, sorry, uh, Mark Morris says he saw two red, two green orbs. They were like moving like this and moving in and out of each other, shining some sign of light around the area like they were trying to, I don't know how you describe it, but he said it was very unusual. They were like, they were just like, they were signaling or something. Um, no noise from either of these objects again. Um, and we've had someone who spoke to Cass who up our website, you know, the where you can contact safely, uh, you know, contact us safely. He and a friend were actually camping in uh, the woods that night. They're outdoor people. They like to do survival stuff and all that. And they heard the, the bang. They went down to the area to look around, and they saw that the military were actually, uh, like some people in white hazmat suits as well, approaching an object that had hit some trees, which we now identify as the crash site. And uh, they were watching quietly. And when they thought, oh, you know, it's the military, it's fine. It, I don't know why, they decided to step out. And as soon as they stepped out, they grabbed them, put them in a car, took their phones off them, deleted all the information, and, let, and left. told them never to go back. Now, we've just recently put all that information on the Penturk UFO website YouTube page. It's all there. You can see it. You know, we've got a lot of new evidence now, and we're hopefully going to get some more. Now, as far as now, what are people afraid of? I, I understand at the time it sounds like there were some more or less threats going on, but why um, are people afraid now are there to talk about it? Ridicule. Some people mm -hmm. have got some of the witnesses have got family members. They're, they're not going to jeopardize their safety over just because uh, 
you know, there might be some people who might take it the wrong way. I don't know. You know, they got their personal and security reasons as well. So family reasons. Uh, some of these people do have, you know, some very, uh, what can I say? You know, their, their jobs, you know, are very um, specific. You know, I think some, you know, they, they, they can't, you know, they, they have very high profile kind of jobs in their professions. And, you know, they don't want to risk losing that maybe if someone were to find out they witnessed a UFO event. Because there's a lot of ridicule and stigma around this case still, even though we're, you know, we're sort of getting around all that. But now, hopefully maybe one day. A, yeah. Isn't this sort of in a rural area? Do I have that wrong? Where that happened? Rural area. Yeah. It's like, in a, it's like a country area, you know, sort of like a farm, farmland, countryside kind of area. Pinter. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't picture that there'd be a lot of people with an important like it's not rural like, you know, like a whatever, house you know it's not rural like you know a few like a house your house there it's a town you know it's a small town like a village that mm. sort of thing mm -hmm. but cars mm -hmm. clark has come under a lot of stick even the family up in north wales you know if we want to get back to this i mean they they, they nathan in particular i mean these I, I, all these people have done is attack him for doing what what the hell's he done wrong he gave you a video of something incredible try to share it with you you know we put all the evidence put all this evidence together right? you're going back to the denby lights yeah sorry yeah um i was just going to say because kaz clark has come under a lot of stick and a lot of fire for what she's done right come public mm -hmm. and because the other witnesses have gone public as well it's there's just so much backlash and so much hatred and it's like why you know i mean aren't we now getting to the point where we're accepting this as a reality rather than something that needs to be constantly you know, bashed and ridiculed all the time. It's yeah, well, that's, almost, that's one of the things. That's yeah, one of the things. It almost seems to me that people are looking to bash in any circumstance. You know, like one side or another, or black and white, or whatever it is. Uh, mm. So in this case, uh, I understand where he's going. Uh, were there any electric wires up there on the hill? Uh, I'm not sure if there's any up there. There are electrical wires around there. I did actually look for electrical arcing in this. Yeah, you there's know, no electrical another... arcing that in the images that I've no, so, no. you know, I, like a I transformer should, or anything. Mm. I should point out as well that I um the family are certain that the Uh oh. Yeah, we my gotta, square picture just went off. It's about yeah, two and a half, issue. maybe. So, can you repeat what you just said? Yeah, um, I was just saying the family think, or they're very certain that the object was a lot closer than actually where, you know, the hill is up there. Because one of the things I do in the documentary, and I describe it in the book also is I try to see the left and right side of the lights, you know, the furthest points of where the lights are. You know, you're thinking that that's the end of the object there, you know? And I think, okay, if I can line up that one and line up that one with the image and then put it on the, you know, the Google Earth and just see how far apart they are, and we can get an idea of maybe how big this thing is in diameter. Um, they're certain it's around the football field area, a place called Kai Howell. It's just not too far away from where they live. And that would be consistent with what I've done with my analysis in this, that this thing's probably about 60, 70 feet wide. And mm. um, if it was up on the hill, if the lights are that hill and it, and it is some sort of disc object, maybe, 
it uh, it would have to be maybe three, four hundred feet wide. And I don't think it was that big at all. You know, it just doesn't. And they are certain it was a lot closer. And I, you know, I, I, I've checked for electrical arcing, electrical wires and all that stuff, planes, fireworks, sparklers, lightning storms, you know, it, there's just nothing that will explain it. Uh, you know, this uh, a person's also saying, uh, you know, this video shows a fireball moving along the power lines. Uh, I'm, you know, I mean, he's trying to get at the point where, uh, but you've you've gone over any possibility of this type of situation. I've looked at everything. I don't know uh, if he's describing a fireball along a power line. I'd like to know where the power line is because there's not many power lines that run along that area. There's a big road that runs up to the farm there, and I've been on the site myself on two occasions. And mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's not in that area. It's it's more central, and it's in line with the wooded area rather than you know the power lines as he's describing i think at the end i'm going to run that uh the video clip one more time so people can see you know there's a little bit of footage there i mean i can't yeah. isolate can I just talk about uh something else that seems to be consistent with all these interesting ufo sciences sure, like number yeah. one they they run along the what we what some people would call ley lines you know you know these oh, yes. ideas yep. that the earth has like these you know these lines of energy that go through in certain directions and then they meet at certain points you know like six yep. central points well, a lot of the UFO cases in Wales seem to have uh, the actual events seem to happen along them lines. You know, where Denby is and where Berwyn Mountain is and where Llanachymer, there's those cases I just mentioned, the bullet-shaped one. They all mm -hmm. run along a ley line that goes along North Wales there. Um, mm -hmm. There's another one that comes down to the south, which runs along the side of Penturk. And, you know, we've got other famous sightings here, like the Rendlesham Forest one. Uh, there was another one in Wilsforth, uh, Nottingham and Sheffield and all that. Scotland way and they all run along where these lines are where they're supposed to run along anyway and I just find that really interesting because that to me suggests there's some connection and I would just like to point out as well that there always seems to be this this thing about cutting down trees and tripping away or digging up soil depending on where I guess they are there's a woods up there where you say the woods are Christ I think it's called Christ uh, Woods. I guess how you pronounce it. It's a very unusual name. Um, the trees, uh, just a couple of weeks after it happened, uh, were all chopped down. Hmm. You know, this area was a beautiful wooded area. It was a lovely scenery place. And uh, Margaret Pritchard and Linda Pritchard, you know, they're sisters, you know. And Margaret is uh, the sister of Linda. Linda obviously saw it, but Margaret didn't. But she let this on to me. She said, well, these were, we were walking the area. I said, well, these were all cut down just six weeks or so after it. And I contacted um, whoever it is responsible for that piece of land, and they couldn't seem to give me an answer. But it obviously wasn't a, a felling, you know, like a like a licensed felling. They just chopped the trees down. Half of the logs are still there even now. It's very now the war, the Warminster thing they used to call it. Is that like hundreds of miles away from from you? Warminster, Willsfort, I think I mentioned. Uh, uh, Warminster. I, uh, maybe I have that wrong. It was, uh, I had someone on years ago that was talking about that and I thought it was, um, Randallsham, you mean? No, Warminster. No, I'm not too familiar with yeah. that case. No. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure there's, uh, I think this is from back many years, but I'm not, I don't remember the details <clears throat> on it. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love these 
these sightings in one area and it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I mean, anytime there's an area where there's a lot of UFO sightings to me, um, you know, I mean, some of them are interesting because there's something geological and you're mentioning mm -hmm. the ley lines, you know, that's, uh, I guess you would call that a geological anomaly or not an there's anomaly. Definitely, but, sorry, uh, let me interrupt you. Uh, there's definitely a connection there. I just don't know what it is, but if, if there's, I mean, there's, there's ancient structures, there's ley lines, mystical forests, you know, and all these ancient tales of very unusual things. And they always seem to happen on these, you know, the really good UFO sightings now where, you know, you have really good witnesses, good evidence, and some, some sort of craft that is uh, very unusual. So, yeah, you yeah. know, there's, there's something to it. That's right. So I'm going to run the clip one more time just for those uh, people who, who, uh, didn't catch her just watching part of the show or just started joining us just now. I'm going to run it one more time. I mean, you can clearly see those lights are very unusual. They're almost like fading in, in and fading out, you know. And also, I, did I see blue blue lights as well? I thought I saw a blue light. Is that my imagination? No, the lights are kind of, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I mean, the lights are definitely bluish and very white, bright kind of things. But it's just the way that they flash and the way that they shimmer. I mean... I, I, the only way I can describe it, it's like a, it's like a flash of lightning, you know. But it's in the, it's very encapsulated within that area, um, or you know, yeah. focused in that area. I meant to say, um, I would, I did actually try to get a really good frame of it once and do a real in-depth analysis on it. Um, I wish I had in that picture, but I, I mean, I can clearly see like triangular formations in there and circular formations, and I find it quickly because I don't want to take too much time on this but i mean i did a real analysis of the frame of some of the some of these uh do anyone else uh, that does that type of work you know video analysis has have other people looked at it try to figure uh, it out the only one i know besides you know besides myself is jason gleaves i mean if anyone else okay. would like to take a look at it i mean i'm always happy to but if you look at page 179 i mean i don't know if you can see i mean i, I highlight certain areas look yeah, might not be might not yeah. be so it might not be so clear there, but you can clearly yeah. see on page one seven nine. There's like two blue lights, then there's four lights, and there's like you can see the red light on top again, and there's like the triangular formation, and there's like it's almost like it's like in a lampshade in some. I can only describe it like a lampshade effect. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's coming from like a, you ever seen like a traffic light, and you get those like cones that keep the light inside the the, the plastic outline, like you know the plastic 
something on top of it. It's kind of mm. like that. Yeah. See yeah, how I can describe it. Yeah, it does kind of look something like that. Yeah. Well, excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, it's time for you to go to bed. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's just about 1 a.m. there for you. I really do um, appreciate you uh, joining us. Can I just say one thing? I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. going to, I, I'm just going to London tomorrow, and I hope that you don't mind me saying this, but yeah. I mean, I know, yeah. in, I know in America you're having uh, this, this families who are going to the school boards about, you know, this new sex curriculum thing that they're putting through. You heard about that? Uh, no, but go ahead. Yeah, well, there's a group over here called Public Child Protection Wales who are taking the Welsh government to court, my Welsh government to court, because they're trying to introduce, or they are introducing now, a very highly sexualized sec, you know, curriculum, which is, well, let's just say it's not good for children and it's not age appropriate at all. And they're going to London, Parliament Square, and they're going to raise awareness. They've got a fundraiser going on because they need to raise money for the court fees. It's in appeal right now, but they're really putting up a good effort. And I just think, you know, for anyone who's a parent or anyone who's got children in school uh, having trouble with this, you might want to look at that. So I just wanted to mention that. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, that's fine. All right, you take care now. Yeah, thank All you, right. man. And good luck with the book. All right. All right, everyone. So we will be back uh, next week with uh, Chrissy Newton. And I want to thank you all very much for uh, hanging out with us tonight. And we'll see you next week. Keep your eyes to the sky. <laughs>